0: Hello, and welcome back to In Our Issues, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be in the shoes of people with mental health issues. I'm Nathan Donnelly, and this week's episode is all about ADHD, misconceptions about a superpower. Discussions about ADHD are on the rise right now, and I feel like there's a lot of conversations that miss the point and or misinterpret what ADHD actually is. So I did some research, brought it to the table, and my co-hosts and I ended up having a great discussion about this. We dive into the neuroscience and also share our own lived experiences with ADHD, as well as discuss its relevance to the modern digital age. This episode goes out to any listeners out there living with ADHD that wish to learn more about their condition so that they may unlock their true potential. And now, without further ado, here... Is the IOI crew? Welcome back to In Our Issues today. We're talking about ADHD, and we're going to dispel some of the misconceptions <clears throat> about this superpower.
1: And I also want to delve in a little bit to misdiagnosis of ADHD.
0: Absolutely, that's uh, one of my. That's definitely one of my points on here. I wanted to start by saying that, uh, well, two of us here have been diagnosed with ADHD. That would be me and Bill. Um so we're going to be speaking from our lived experience with it. Um if any of you listeners out there are diagnosed or suspect that you have ADHD, uh we hope that we can help you clear up whether or not you do or whether or not you should seek treatment. Um we yeah. again are peers and uh not licensed therapists, but we are peer recovery supporters and uh we wish to help support you
2: out there. And
1: I'm not somebody with lived experience with ADHD, but I was at one point misdiagnosed with ADHD.
2: Oh, you should be on this Mm -hmm. podcast then. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think that it
1: can be a fun two sides to the coin.
2: Two sides to the coin.
1: Two sides of the same coin.
0: Absolutely. Um, So first, what ADHD is and what ADHD isn't. So, I want to start off with saying it's kind of like what Amanda said about trauma, where ADHD has been trivialized and used as a shorthand description incorrectly a lot. I feel like people will say, I'm so ADD, I'm so ADHD, just like they would say, Oh, I'm so traumatized, I'm so traumatic. I'm so it, it's um, the fact is that there is actually a measurable effect of the modern digital age on the human brain. And it creates this condition called VAST, which is variable attention stimulus trait. Essentially it's symptoms of ADHD that arise in people without it because, um, of the speed of modern digital technology and modern culture.
1: Yeah, I think too, it it aligns with that dopamine hit that we get from, you know, social media and interacting. Um, Mm -hmm. and it can mirror Traits of ADHD, but does not mean you have
2: ADHD. You're talking ADHD. about going exactly. from one thing to the next to the next. Yeah. Like if
1: you put something into perspective, like TikTok,
2: like I was talking
1: talking to my boyfriend yesterday about this because I was like, this can't be good for my brain because one TikTok, I was literally emotionally crying because it was like a really sweet (laughs) video. (laughs) And then the next video, I'm literally cracking up laughing because it's so funny. And then Mm -hmm. the next video, I'm like sad because of like whatever is happening. It's just all over the place. Literally within the course of not even 10 minutes, I'm going through through different emotions. So it's definitely going to have an impact long term. That's why I have to uh, limit my time on TikTok.
0: <laughs> so think of Vast as ADHD's environmentally induced cousin. Oh, I like that. It's a trait caused by exposure to distracting nature of technology and not a disorder. So ADHD you have at birth. Vast you develop. And it can be undeveloped um, when you learn to use your brain in deeper, more thoughtful ways and not as reactive and emotion and and not as reactive to emotions. Oh, that's
1: good news.
0: Sort of thing. That's good news. So um, ADHD is an extremely heritable disorder. Uh, If you have one parent that has it, there's a there's a one in three chance that their kids are going to have it. And if you have both, it's two and three. Hmm. Um, so my dad has ADHD. We, uh, he hasn't really, um, fully grasped everything. He didn't, he, he had no idea until they had me and discovered I had it. And he also discovered he had it. Um, I know he'd be okay with me sharing this. So, uh, but, and so we've kind of been learning about it, you know, for better or worse, the hard way or the easy way. Uh, throughout the course of our lives. I think that's really
1: interesting, too, because I've seen that happen a lot, um, at least from a social media perspective, is that a lot of parents, you know, that are becoming more open about mental health, Mm -hmm. um, they get their child a uh, diagnostic assessment or like whatever and they figure out like, oh, their child, you know, has ADHD or their child is autistic. Yeah. Um, and they say, you know, a lot of times these are inheritable disorders. And then they look at themselves and the traits that they exhibit yeah. in relation to their kid and what they did as children. And they realize like, wow, I exhibited a lot of these traits originally when I was growing up and I had no idea because there wasn't like words for
0: it.
2: Yep. Yeah. So it's and... really
1: interesting to see the shift in conversation. So
2: when I got kicked out of physics every day in 11th grade <laughs> that's just because we didn't figure that out yet
1: probably okay Most Depending likely, on why you were kicked out
2: oh it was oh yeah, yeah because uh i was borderline disruptive mm. i think if by borderline. borderline means i took all the attention away from the teacher <laughs> so he would say he was about 85 mr brown why don't you take an early lunch today <laughs>
0: <laughs> the, that, so that was that that's i love how that voice stuck with you
2: after oh, yeah. all this time you were just you just jumped into that impression yep. like freak. early lunch every day <laughs> and an a in physics it drove him crazy i would grade my own paper i would bring red <laughs> pen to class on test day and write 100 at the top and write a little note saved to the time or whatever <laughs> and it, it was the joy of his existence to be able to find something wrong on one of my tests <laughs> but yeah. you
1: you were pretty good at that kind of stuff though yeah 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 so it probably irritated him even more a little bit. yeah he's just
2: like, yeah just like this kid is
0: like all over the place and he's still getting good and grades I think that's, that's
1: something that's important to put into perspective too it's not like yeah. and, I, and i know we'll talk about this later in the itinerary it's not like that individuals with adhd are necessarily lacking anything you know a lot of it is just you need to find a way to be engaged that works for you
0: yeah exactly misconceptions about a superpower it's a superpower it's just our frontal lobes take a little longer to develop than the average person so we tend to be disruptive and distractive and not always in a bad way um so basically for whatever reason adhd tends to manifest differently according to biological sex for for some reason um I men tend to have ADHD type H which is hyperactive and this is not exclusively but and women tend to have ADHD type I inattentive my dad has ADHD type I so it's not exclusive to gender but it manifests differently like just for some reason I'm not sure why
1: I'm wondering if it's like and I have no idea because I don't know the research on this so take what I say with a grain of salt I'm wondering if it's like a hormonal thing. Like hmm. if hormones are impacting the neurons right. and, you know,
0: the, that would, the chemicals
1: that are firing around. If maybe that's why we see that more. I don't know.
0: That's a very good...
1: interesting. If you know why and um, you're a therapist or a psychiatrist or, you know, just really interested in ADHD and you know about that. Well, let us know in the comments because I'd love to know.
0: Definitely. Me I'm too. Always, I'm
1: always down to learn. <laughs>
0: yeah. But no
2: hormones would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Amanda. Um, and. Them. Well, I don't know if that would indicate that as hormone levels change. Yeah. Uh that, that those symptoms would decrease. Or or change. Or change. Yeah.
0: I, yeah. Well, yeah. It's I mean that could be the case. Who knows?
1: Because I know hormones affect my mood and my illness
2: mm-hmm. yeah, a I've, lot. I <laughs> have some experience with hormones affecting women's behavior and attitudes. <laughs> Because of this, all this whole thing, many women uh, go a long
0: time without seeing a diagnosis because the the signs of ADHD are less obvious to observe. Mm-hmm. You have to you have the distractibility and quickness of thought, but not the hyperactivity, and the hyperactivity takes a back seat. So you you could be sitting there distracted, but not hyperactively bouncing off the walls. Um, so yeah, it, it manifests differently uh, based on what type you have, and for some reason with gender. Um,
1: and some people can have both. Oh
0: no, no! Oh yeah, thank you. Actually, yeah. I I don't know why I didn't write this here. Uh, you can have mi- ADHD mixed type, which is yeah both, which is symptoms ADHD of both. C. Yeah, is com- that what it is? It,
1: yeah, ADHD C, which is ADHD combined, combined. which is a combination. Combination. Thank you. Words. They're hard. <laughs> uh, a combination of inattentive and hyperactive.
0: Okay. Bet. I did
1: a Mental Health Monday on ADHD very recently. So it's fresh. I know a thing or two in my brain. Was in
0: it your last brain? week?
1: No, it was like two months ago, I think. So check that out on the Recovery Center of Hamilton County's YouTube page. Eight yes. weeks
0: ago. We should always plug that whenever we get the chance. Um, we don't have people with ADHD. The name can be kind of. Deceptive because we don't really have a deficit of attention. We have the opposite. We have an abundance of attention We have too much attention to control Um more more attention than we can cope with our challenge lies in learning to control it. It's true. So basically um I can my full attention is taken away from the moment or whatever i'm distracting or whatever i'm trying to focus on my full attention Can just go elsewhere? If if something reminds me of something or if suddenly I start, you know, my writer brain turns on, I start writing a scene in my head or something like that. And I just remove myself from the moment and, and fully invest in that thing that I've been distracted by. That's normal
2: and, stuff. But I think where it goes off the rails is when you don't remember to go back to what you're doing before.
0: You, oh no! That is absolutely true because I, I've I have noticed that multiple times when I'm just trying to get something done, I will you know walk back. I'm just looking for a pe- I'd need a pen to write something down, and then I keep forgetting that I'm looking for a pen, yep. and uh, end up you know spending an hour or something doing something completely different, and then finally remembering.
2: Yeah, and like. You're looking for a pen, but then you step on a Nerf dart, which is on the floor, and you're like, "Oh my god, I could put a needle in that and stick it in the wall." And so you spend about two hours doing that. Stick <laughs> it in the wall, and you get to pull it out of the wall, and you're like, mom I think I'm hungry." And so you want some pizza rolls, and you put them on a plate, and you go to the microwave, and you open it up, and there's pizza rolls already in there that have been made. Yeah, that were just sitting two there. Looks good. <laughs> welcome to adhd
0: dude adhd 101 right here this is what happens this is how we live our lives i think that
1: was like a great step-by-step explanation yeah of it. thank you that
0: was that was that was very just off the cuff because it really perfect. helped
1: me put into perspective like what goes on in the brain it's with fascinating ADHD. yeah my friend um has adhd as well and it was interesting because i lived with her for a while and um just like seeing it manifest yeah in front of me yeah. like she was not uh-huh. she had not been diagnosed yet at the time um and she had been when she was really really young um but then i don't know it just was like a thing that she didn't really like pay attention to but as soon as like i started picking up on it when we started talking about it and she was like yeah i think this is something that i really do struggle with still mm-hmm. and um i'm like yeah it doesn't really go away but um <laughs> <laughs> um And just seeing it, like, that's kind of exactly how it was, like, what you described. It's just, like, 50 million things at once. Mm
2: -hmm. I call it the 30-minute trip to the mailbox, which is 10 (laughs) steps from my couch. It may take me a half an hour to get the mail and get back to the couch, for real.
1: Somebody explained it to me like this, and I don't know if this will help anybody who doesn't have ADHD to kind of understand it, but for me, it was like, it's not just... A plus B equals C in terms of like these are the steps. Mm -hmm. It's like a spider web comes out of each step the moment that you do it, right? Like that is a great image. Like you go to step A, but then from step A, like spider webs, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And then you haven't even made it to B yet because you can't before you get one, two, three, four, five, six, seven done and you get through that. But then sometimes you don't even remember that B is there or exists or that you are in the, the middle of doing yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so that was just a really yeah. interesting explanation when I.
0: I love it. that. Yeah. I love the spider web. That image is so powerful because that's what it feels like. I'm like, all right, step one. Oh yeah. These seven other things that I want to do, yeah, uh, but like, you know what I mean? It's like,
1: yeah, that's oh why like from, from, yeah, I think it was like a video or something or somebody explaining this to me. I don't remember it, but basically that's why it's like even doing a to-do list is difficult for people
0: with yeah. ADHD. Oh, yes. That's like, just, oh my, yeah. that's
2: a dude. setup for failure. Dude, yeah. dude, dude, I'm serious, dude. man, oh, I, I'm,
0: tr- I'm, tr- I'm getting, be- I'm getting a little bit better about this. I actually made a list of things I wanted to do this morning last night and I didn't even look at the list this morning. But I got all of them done. Oh, sometimes just yay. sometimes, just writing it down is like enough for your brain to kind of just intuitively grasp what you need to do. So even if you don't hurt. look at it.
1: Yeah, and I think it depends too like which type of ADHD you have as well. Like whether it's I or H or both. Mm-hmm. Depending on like how that manifests.
0: Absolutely. And, and not even just the type, but also just the person and how it works yeah, with exactly, them. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, not everybody, not everybody like... Some people might not even need a to do list, but I definitely need like I, it definitely helps me get a grasp on what I need to get done. And I definitely get more done if I just sit down and make uh, like just a couple steps, because otherwise the first step can seem intimidating because I don't really know what. Great it is. point.
2: That's a huge point.
0: You know what I mean? I'll say that again. Uh, first step can seem intimidating. <laughs> the first, if you don't, if you haven't, if you haven't, if you haven't just sat down and given yourself the first couple steps, actually getting that started can be intimidating.
2: Because, That'll shut me down. The yeah. overwhelming first step, even when it turns out to be 14 mm-hmm. seconds of. Yeah. off and on labor
1: you and me mm-hmm. were talking about this actually the other day and it's interesting because there's so many things about adhd that i relate to looking at it through a cptsd lens and we'll get into that mm-hmm. later but it's just so interesting yeah. when i hear you guys talk about it the things that i do relate to
0: we'll get into that too because people with adhd tend to bridge into ptsd as well um for a, for a couple reasons that i'm mm-hmm. going to bring up yep. um <clears throat> and we'll get to that in a second but my grandma would say once begun is half done so yeah, if you no can kidding. get that if you can get that first step going, if <laughs> Once, you can yeah. if you know if you know what the first couple steps are, your brain will take care of the rest if you if you can get started sometimes. Certainly got you know? a much
2: better shot of getting it done if you start
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. Um so uh I want to I want to make this abundantly clear. We are not lazy. Um. There are a lot of people. You can be lazy, and you can ADHD. be lazy. You can. I don't be lazy, like the idea
1: of the term lazy. lazy exactly. Yeah, I get exactly. I,
0: I agree. That's what I'm trying but to say. That
1: can be a conversation for another day. <laughs>
0: yeah. You can be lazy. I Any. Mean, I mean, like, there's that just happens. But the I but don't the fact believe is, in
1: laziness. I'm sorry. Hmm? That's, a, that's okay. That's not. Okay. That's, that's, that's how you can probably hmm.
0: convince me on that. One. I, actually, yeah, you can probably convince me too, to be honest. But um, I was kind of playing off of what Bill said. But my point is that a lot of people will just think their child is lazy because what what what's really going on is this is a toxic belief pe- uh, perpetuated by ignorant people um
1: society you know yeah
0: if if we if we aren't accomplishing things it's because we get lost in our brains which work against us half the time in way in uh sorry this sentence wasn't complete we live with an itch for stick. Okay so we get lost in our brains which work against us half the time in ways that we might not even understand
1: and i think too like living in a and this is just going back to the laziness thing living in a capitalistic society like we do in which we're you know constantly indoctrinated to work 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 make money make money make money like and if we're not working we're lazy or we're doing something wrong like you go to other countries and they don't look at things the way that we do like we
0: here in America anyway, Yeah,
1: like we live to work basically and other people will know uh, whatever, whatever I mean, the saying is like our, our lives are based around our jobs a lot of the times. So for an country,
2: industrialized nation. We have the longest work week
0: in the world. Yeah. yeah. And to, and to be honest, capitalism is all over the place. It's not just in America, but it's, but it, it's, it's definitely, bad
2: over here. Yeah, I'm not sure it's tied to capitalism, but it's definitely like, tied to our um mm-hmm. framework of our society. Yeah. Definitely. But my point is
0: that um we live with an itch. So the reason why we might seem lazy on the outside is because we live with this itch for stimulation that is pervasive. And our minds will do whatever they possibly can to seek out stimulation and avoid feeling bored, so if we can get an easy, fun way to get our brains out of that boredom space it's going to we're going to we're going to hitch onto that like a like a caboose on a train like and just you know do what we can to avoid being bored, and that's going to take us wherever it takes us if we don't have a plan or something like, you know, int- or intentions to do something
2: that day, for instance. You following me? Yeah. That face doesn't say yes. I'm thinking about it in two contexts. So you just kind of, uh, the way I took your analogy or your example there was, it was a day when I didn't have to be at work. Um, so the work experience of ADHD is much different for me than the home experience of adhd um because i have things i have to complete at work at home i don't i can let things go from one project to the other to the other to the other and that's okay but Mm -hmm. at work i can't do that forever right yeah i mean five years of running but i don't think i'll go
0: forever so some people will think we're lazy because our brain gets distracted and we suddenly have all of our attention invested in something that isn't what we're doing and then they're like why didn't you just get it done you know and to those people i just want to say you got to look a little deeper in whoever it is that has this whoever it is you're calling lazy you got to think twice because they might have they might be struggling with something that you are not aware of um it's very i'm very passionate about people understanding one another with mental illness, especially because that can go unseen. And that's the most terrifying thing for the person with it. Um, moving on to uh, basically ADHD ADHD is a superpower for creativity. And we have a creative appetite. Even when awake, we're dreaming. We tap into creative neural pathways in our brain without even realizing it, which both empowers and distracts us. We will actualize our potential if we are handled, if we are handled with understanding, and then we can use that superpower for our advantage. Trouble is that repeated, failings of past fa- repeated feelings of past failure can make our inner critics very loud, and we may hate our creations and give up only to rediscover their beauty at a time when the critic is quiet.
2: I don't don't know that I agreed with all that. All right, what was the first part again? ADHD is a superpower for
0: creativity. Keep going. We have a creative appetite, and when even when awake, we're dreaming. Yeah, we tap into creative neural pathways in our brain without even realizing it, which both empowers and distracts us. We will actualize our potential if handled with understanding.
2: There you go. I don't want anyone else's understanding to be dependent on me actualizing my abilities. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's what I didn't agree with. We will. We will actually, I think it makes things a lot easier for people, but that's not going to be a, a a blockade for me. Okay. So what I was trying to say was that what? Okay. It,
0: it can't be. It can't be a blockade. But being handled with understanding can help us. Absolutely. Hundred percent. Along that route. That's yep. that's what I was trying to get at. Yep. Um. So and the and, and the whole inner critic thing. We'll get into that in a minute. Um. It is helpful to think of ADHD as a blessing and a curse. The condition allows for deep, beautiful creativity and also deep, depressive brooding. The tortured artist archetype is about to make a whole lot more sense, basically. So, brooding. mm -hmm. And I want to get, I'm about to bridge into the science of how this works. Y'all ready?
2: All right, science it up.
0: It's helpful to think of ADHD as having a shoulder angel and demon. The demon is both the blessing. But the demon is both a blessing and a curse. And let me me explain. So, the science of the dark and the light, the TPN and the DMN. So, these are two neural pathways in your brain that I'm going to explain. Scientists have studied the brains of neurotypical people and people with ADHD using MRIs and discovered important distinctions between the two. When humans engage in activities, neurons from both neurons form together into networks. There are two important networks of neurons when discussing ADHD. There's the task positive network, or the TPN, which lights up when one is deeply engaged in a task, and the default mode network, or the DMN, which lights up when one is in a state of unfocused reflection and ideation, daydreaming and wondering. So in short, the TPN is when you're lights up when you're focused and the dmn lights up when you're unfocused essentially the dmn the unfocused but the unfocused state is not a negative state it can be both positive and negative in a neurotypical brain am i going too fast no okay in a neurotypical brain when the tpn is engaged the dmn turns off in other words in a neurotypical a neurotypical brain can turn off the d m n the distractive idea ideation part. that sounds like a flow state kind of a thing so it, like
1: that's that goes into the hyperfixation of ADHD, yes?
0: kind of actually yeah it's <clears throat> that's
1: why it's so hard for i mean just from my understanding and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but that to me sounds like um when the hyperfixation occurs it's a lot harder to become distracted and there's a lot less opportunities for people to become distracted that that's why when you do become distracted in a hyperfixated state it really throws you off kilter and off balance is that does yeah. that sound accurate or
0: if it makes you sense distracted in a hyperfixative state yeah it definitely does that makes sense um it actually kind of plays into what i'm about to say okay cool it's perfect um But um, where was I? Right. Perfect. Uh, (laughs) In an ADHD brain. So in an ADHD brain, in a neurotypical brain... Uh, the TPN, when the TPN is engaged, the DMN is turned off in an ADHD brain. The DMN remains on even when the TPN is engaged. It's always on it. Okay. So the potential to become distracted and slip into a daydream and be, and start ideating or coming up with ideas is always there for people with ADHD. Yeah.
1: I know that makes more sense.
0: Um, in fact, That's why we'll remember to do everything except what we sat down to do. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, That's why we'll slip into intrusive negative thoughts or an interesting idea or daydream. Instead of staying on task, it could be either one. Hmm. So my brain
1: is starting to piece together the uh, similarities between ADHD and CPTSD.
0: mm, Good. I'm I'm, I'm excited (laughs) to hear your thoughts on that. Mm -hmm. Um, So. This is also why we are capable of great creativity and great brooding. The DMN's reflective capabilities can bring up uncomfortable memories that can. Oh, oh. The DMN's reflective capabilities can bring up uncomfortable memories, then give us ideas about them and make us wonder about them endlessly because no. we can't turn it off.
2: Everybody doesn't do that. Every, everyone no. can engage. Everyone
0: can engage this part of their brain. But ADHDers can't turn it off. So it's that's why we're so much more likely to fall into situations like this. Okay. Um, basically, so uh, but so it's why we so it's why we can fall into endless brooding, but it's also why we can get obsessed with wonderful ideas and never stop creating. Because hmm. we can't turn it off. It's a blessing and a curse. We brood, we create. We brood, we create. We often hate what we create because we see how wonderful it could be at its full potential and are frustrated that it's not perfect yet. Only to walk away from it and rediscover its beauty later when our DMN is not clogged with negativity.
1: Hmm. So then how do stimulants play a part in that? Do we know?
0: That's a good question. Um, I didn't research that topic specifically, but mm. I can imagine it helps I can imagine it helps stabilize the relationship between those two networks okay, in some way. Um, so yeah, uh, they, uh, the, I was so, just
1: curious. So if anybody knows, you can let us know in the comments.
0: Absolutely. So in short, the TPN, uh, the, is the task positive network. The DMN is um, the default mode network. And the DMN is responsible for reflecting, creating, and also brooding. And ADHDers can't turn it off, which is why we get so distracted.
2: Nathan, this was really good stuff, but I got to have a full stop and just say one time, can we just have the office space reference? The TPN report. I'm gonna need your TPN. <laughs> <laughs> we can carry on. Yeah. <laughs> no, see, like, no, that's that. Just, just anyone. Honestly, like, that talk. talk fit. No, no. I was gonna
0: say, you talk to another person with ADHD. I need your TPN. Come on, we need to, like, we need to <laughs> get this done. Yeah, we need to get
1: this hey, like, that's true. I like that's it. yeah. No, that's a really good parallel. That's funny.
0: Hmm. That's awesome. All right, so. That's my science. Uh, we're going. We're about to dive deep
2: in. We're about to dive a little deeper and do our free form. Can we? Uh, is that? Can we have the name for the episode? Uh, I'm gonna need your TPN report. Yeah, okay. I think. That yeah, that's that's, that's gonna be like the subtitle. I think like be awesome.
0: <laughs> for sure. Here's your TPN report. Everybody tuning in. Um, but um, I'm gonna work through these following points gradually and let us let it fuel our create and let it fuel our free form discussion. First one. Our DMN has lots of depressive fuel to work with because our condition causes us to be late and underperform, creating a vast history of memories where we've felt like we were a disappointment, a failure, or inadequate. If we are not taught that our perceived failures are a byproduct of our greatest strengths and are instead shamed for them by our caretakers, these feelings can be compounded and leave us
2: brooding when we could be creating. Not my experience. Not your experience. Mm-mm.
1: What is your experience?
2: Uh growing up. Mm-hmm. So I think that was a kind of a childhood thing. Um mm-hmm. it wasn't um you know, you need to focus. It was <laughs> he's nuts, man. <laughs> he's nuts. <laughs> he's just hyperactive. Yeah. So all right. Well, the point my So p- my point is I don't I I you know, my memory is not the best, but I don't think that I uh, have these things that i go back to and think of failures and that kind of thing
1: yeah i think it's a different experience for mm-hmm. every individual too and i think That's it depends possible. on the environment in which you were in it has to um because a lot of times when when um like teachers or parents or whatever like see these really like hyperactive children mm-hmm. that they can't necessarily control they will then see that as a fault of the child sure. rather yeah. than yeah. you know like a ding that. ding ding
2: totally yeah yeah <laughs> in and other so I words think
1: that's you know that's kind of leaning on the point of of nathan where they experience that you, kind of i think yeah.
2: your point is incredibly valid absolutely 100 mm-hmm. it's just not my experience yeah, it's just not your personal I'm experience exactly. which i think yeah. is an
1: important one to uplift because not everybody mm-hmm. has the same
2: Yeah, i was gonna say
0: i'm s- sure. i'm so glad that was your first reaction because i this is this is you know this is just what tends to happen yeah for yeah. people and like me who are i guess I don't know if it, I don't know if my, I don't know if my inclination towards sensitivity and that sort of thing kind of makes me more susceptible to this. I'm not sure what it could be, but this is definitely my experience in the sense that I know that my upbringing uh, was, you know, like for the most part, it was pretty understanding filled, but I have lots of memories of just, I, I have trauma associated with not being on time because it happens to me all the time and so i have an enormous amount of anxiety when i'm late and it just it just over overwrites my cognition and i'm just like i'm just you're late you're late this is a problem this is a problem like that's just programmed into me and so i'm like figure and really it's um yeah i was bullied for it too in high school so that didn't help but no it was like
1: interesting so it seems to me as if this you know we might be doing therapy here, but that's fine. Um, it seems as if this, you know, fear of being late because it was such a, a like experience when you had when you were young. Yes.
0: Ye- yes. Um, um,
1: So that was really kind of laid down for you at an early age. So that feeling is really imprinted in you as, you know, young Nathan and that's a lot of where those emotions seem like they're coming from for you when you are late now in adulthood Mm -hmm. does that make sense yes would that pan out so you're having these like Mm -hmm. big reactions because that's kind of like where it came from in that time in your life
0: and it continues to happen it continues to happen to this day because uh my frontal lobe has that's one thing I want to make clear about ADHD as well. Our frontal lobes take longer to develop than the than the average person. And as a result, and that's the one that's that's the part of your brain that's associated with planning and thinking ahead and making uh, yeah, is that executive like that. function executive yeah. function exactly and
1: i think too like and going off of that thank you for mentioning that because that goes into another point is if you're operating like if this f- fear of being late is operating from a limbic system response like a fear center in your brain you're not going to have access to your frontal lobe anyways because yep. that turns off when you
0: have yep. that fear response good point yep that's so yeah so, so it-
1: that's why like i think you know it, that's a really good point of how you know individuals who are neurotypical Like don't understand this because individuals who are kind of neurodivergent, they experience a lot of this kind of you know developmental trauma because their brains aren't working you know mm-hmm. normally or the yeah. same as individuals who are you know neurotypical and so they experience that kind of like stigma or those microaggressions or that kind of like yeah. discrimination and it lays down that fa- foundation when they're young to have those limbic system responses so when they are older it's even harder to function because you've dealt with a lifetime full of you know that stuff
0: yeah it makes sense absolutely and <clears throat> a point that this can lead into is that because our executive function develops slower than the average person. uh, I I don't know the numbers exactly, but I know that like people with ADHD, their executive function is still developing until the ages of like 35 to 36. Wow. Um, So it's, you know, it it takes, it takes a while. So that's why they talk about um, the executive function age of ADHD people, which is significantly lower (laughs) than your actual age which is why every every single one of my best friends is younger than me like i just i don't know if it's necessarily because of this but it's my theory is that i just can relate
2: to somebody whose brain is closer to mine I in terms I, of developmental speed i wish i understood that at all but i don't I mean,
1: I think too. I think it's probably also I'm sitting also here with 220 something
2: year olds. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm guilty of that. I mean, you know, this yep. where I spend my time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it's just not with grown-ups. Not that you guys aren't grown-ups. grown-ups. You know, you're, mm-hmm. I don't still, feel like a grown-up. you're still developing. Up Bill here. called me a teenager a couple weeks ago. I did. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you teenagers.
0: I'm just like, oh my God. I'm just like, maybe mentally sometimes, but um, like, Basically, yeah, um that's been a great conversation. Thank you for opening up and saying that was here's where the other, your differences here's were.
2: here you can edit this out, but uh Nathan, you grew up in an incredibly driven successful type family environment too. yeah so dealing with the things you were dealing with made that uh, unimaginably worse in my in my imagination at least. Mm -hmm. in my reality yes
0: okay (laughs) no it's true it's true it's true um uh, i'm definitely i'm the only one of my brothers and sisters that has adhd ptsd and possibly bipolar disorder um figuring everything out not sure if the uh it's not sure if it's ptsd or bipolar still figuring out like for sure i have been diagnosed bipolar but still figuring out for sure if it's you know triggers or mood swings, you know yep, what I mean?
1: And that's a long journey.
0: Yeah. So, <clears throat> yeah, that's that's very true. Uh, which is Bill.
1: interesting that you say that. There
0: was too. a lot of pressure. I grew up with a lot of. Pressure. There you go.
1: Yeah. Which is interesting that you say that because that was my original diagnosis as well as ADHD. Yeah. And then they said you don't have ADHD. You're bipolar. And then they said you're not actually bipolar. You have CPTSD. So. Yeah. It is definitely a journey of. You know, figuring out and finding the, you know, care team that is going to look at everything. I don't, I think it was, um, actually the ACE test that differentiated it
0: for Yeah, that's the ACE one. test. Mm-hmm. What is that?
1: The adverse childhood experiences test.
0: Okay. Maybe I should take that. I would probably, be, I would probably be informative. Is this uh, it is seven. a seven? Uh,
1: yeah, that's mine.
2: That's my, that's my prediction.
1: Um, so actually I think mine's eight. No, gonna at least eight. It again. But um Can
2: you just take it online? It's or
1: is an, it? Yeah, it's just an adverse childhood experience quiz. It is essentially they give you ten questions about um what you had experienced before the age of eighteen. Um, like violence in the household, sexual abuse, Oof. um, things like that. Divorce,
2: death yeah. of a parent, yeah.
1: divorce, you know, death of a death of a loved one. Um, if a loved one was incarcerated, you know, things like that. And um, and then they say that depending on your ACE score, um, you'll have you know these specific outcomes, but you're not destined for it. But it just helps put into perspective, um, physical health outcomes in the future, and that's why it was developed.
2: So really quickly, when we're talking about diagnoses. I don't really care what my diagnosis is. I yeah, just care if I've the kind of if the results I'm getting are you know adequate.
1: Yeah, I think like for me, where I've landed is that. The diagnosis I had at the time was that I had them were really beneficial for me at the time because they gave me the answers that I needed for what I was experiencing. Point. And I think from a medication standpoint, um, the medication that I was taking, you know, like when I was on when I was diagnosed with ADHD, when you are ADHD and you take a stimulant, Mm -hmm. you know, it kind of levels you out. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But when you have CPTSD and you take a stimulant, a whole other myriad of shit occurs and well at least in my experience it, it made my brain catch on fire and i was just like oh. an angry asshole who was like yelling at everybody and i didn't eat for like three weeks
0: clearly um, it wasn't for you <laughs> right and yeah. so
1: but then when i got my bipolar diagnosis you know that felt like it fit me and i took mood stabilizers which helped me level out because my cptsd mm-hmm. was very you know yeah. active at the time yeah and, and that stabilize me so mm-hmm. um i think that You know, it's all about where you're at in your journey, but I think that, you know, it's just, you have to try a bunch of things that work for you. Yeah. Um, And that's the difficult thing about ADHD that, you know, you guys experience is that um, sometimes it's hard to take that initial first step to, you know, at least for me. Yeah. From people that I've like talked to Who struggle with it. It's it's. It's hard to like even pick up the phone and make a phone call to the doctor's yep. appointment. I mean, it's difficult for me to even because I have that executive dysfunction thing as well.
2: Sometimes, no, I could make appointments for you six months out, right? Exactly. Today, if you want exactly. to, me no problem with that. But
0: yeah, yeah, that's um, shoot. What was I going to say? Right. So um, I one of the things I talked about with my therapist or no, it was my psychiatrist, maybe both. Uh, but they but they mentioned that I I, t- I take lithium which is a mood stabilizer and they t- and i was like well maybe if that. i have bipolar disorder like wouldn't that be you know wouldn't that make sense that i would be that it would help with that and he said well mood stabilizers help with ptsd as mm-hmm. well yep and then i was like oh that makes sense because the ptsd would trigger you into a mood that would need to be stabilized mm-hmm. so like it's yeah,
1: uh, basically the way that it works at least it worked for me was that when we struggle with ptsd or cptsd your mm-hmm. baseline here's where everyone else's baseline is our baseline is up here
0: right
2: yeah so what a baseline boot, for what
1: for just like functioning just our functioning baseline so this is like where a person's like normal emotions and our feelings are okay. at on a daily basis is just kind of like chill right we so will just right. say it's just chill us is just up here very reactive mm-hmm. you know very just like hyper aware hyper vigilant is where we're operating at so for me what a mood stabilizer did was take me from functioning up here to a little bit down here so that when i would have triggers or i would Mm -hmm. have things that would enact a mood that it would be a lot less like powerful than it normally would right i'd be a lot less reactive or hypervigilant than i normally would
0: and i'll bet that really helped with whatever you were trying to focus on Mm -hmm. like (laughs) yep of the mood pulling you
2: away from it, so a lot of times I like to use um rodents and examples, okay. Okay, so, okay. so That's hamsters levels. If I'm looking, and I love hamsters, and if I had a cage with hamsters and I had two hamsters, one of them is going to be asleep, like under those little wood shavings, you know, about 90% yeah. of the time, and then mm-hmm. one of them is going to be on that wheel 90% mm-hmm. of the time waiting for something else to do. Mm-hmm. So I stick some food in there and I'm like, food, back to the wheel while the other one's sleeping. Yeah. That's their basic mm-hmm. resting levels. Yeah. Uh, okay. I get that. I'm mm-hmm. on the wheel. Yeah. So I had a friend of mine. I thought this was actually fantastically and in, incredibly um, intelligent. She mm-hmm. said, sometimes I need to be treated like a gerbil. I need to be yeah. told it's time to eat. I need yeah. to be told it's time to play. I need Dude. to be told it's time to <sighs> sleep. I'm like, I totally get that. Yeah. <laughs> a gerbil that that makes me treated like a gerbil that is a
0: very interesting yeah that 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 just that's a great image because (laughs) i
2: but it made sense and you know and that yeah she was right
1: and i do want to reiterate too for everybody that's listening don't ever self-diagnose right like we want to make sure that you're talking to you know, a care team, trained professionals. You're really like giving them full history of, you know, what you're going through, what you're experiencing and just kind of use this episode as a, as a guide for what you can potentially bring up or, you know, put into perspective for yourself because everybody's experience is extremely different. No two people look exactly the same symptomatically, even if they were raised exactly the same, right next to each other. Um, It's just all about your journey and what you feel is right for you. So I think that that's really important to put into perspective for yourself
0: absolutely positively i think that uh yes you should um if you have a suspicion that you might have a certain mental illness bring it up with a trained professional that you trust that you vibe with yeah make sure it's not with somebody that you know is gonna
2: not listen well, make to you. it a like, behavioral health professional yeah, yeah like
1: don't like obviously go to reddit or youtube for yeah. advice because you don't know if those are you know
2: Go there for suggestions.
1: Verified or accurate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, go there for suggestions and coping tools and coping tactics and, you know, resources for sure. Hey, there's
2: a lot to be said for that. And I'm not going to speak for you, but you might want to talk about your experience of finding community online.
1: Yeah, which is true. Yeah, there is a lot of community online, a lot of support groups, a lot of, you know, things that you can lean on and reach out to. Well, you know what? I guess if someone
2: were watching this, they're already kind of going down that road. Yeah. Yeah good job so
1: i think it's definitely important and and we we are aware and and understanding of the fact that accessibility isn't always you know a thing that people have right therapy isn't always affordable medication isn't always affordable psychiatrists is really hard to get into sometimes yeah. they schedule you like months months half a year two years it really just like just depends on the area and what you're in and what you're struggling with.
2: Did you make that up two years?
1: No, I know somebody in a, in a rural area that had to wait two years for a psychiatrist.
2: rural area. Yeah. Two
0: years. Mm-hmm. Ugh, that is such a f-
1: Because there was problem. only like. Yeah, there was only like. Um, Pisses me off. Yeah, there's only like a few psychiatrists that actually lived in their area, unless they wanted, which they ended up driving like an hour and a half to. uh a city to go see a psychiatrist so that's like someone's you, life yeah but like if you don't have a car right if you and then a lot of times in rural areas yeah. they don't no have buses. so sometimes it can be really difficult so that's something that's you know we understand we want to put that into perspective mm-hmm. and you yeah. know do what you got to do for yourself
0: yeah um no it's just it's still a problem i mean the wait list though especially now i mean ever since covid i think i yeah. feel like it's just extremely loaded but six it's, months eight but COVID months is great
1: though because of the telehealth
0: there you go the telehealth there's there's advantages there's, there's advantages absolutely yeah yeah
1: i think telehealth is one of the is one of the beautiful things that came out same. of
0: covid yes um,
1: and i'm hoping that that continues on the same trajectory i think that it's kind of here to stay because uh, mm-hmm. i think i think even you know clinicians really appreciate it yep. as well yeah. so i'm hoping that we continue on and that is you know a feasible resource for people and then i also just want to say um don't use BetterHelp, help thank you
2: what's that uh <laughs> but, well, so if you don't know we didn't even need to say what it is
1: well no honestly if you you do what you want do better help if you want it doesn't really matter but um BetterHelp is an online therapy service mm-hmm. and um they sell your data okay. to things like facebook and other advertisers even conversations that you have that in there yeah.
2: is
0: wrong yeah
1: um, and they're able to do that because of the terms of service that you
0: you signed up that
1: you signed up for. So don't use BetterHelp.
0: Like if it's data that's going to help improve our app or whatever, I can kind of understand that. But personal therapy from what,
1: sessions, from what my understanding is, that's my understanding. Do your own research. Obviously, I don't want to oh be here gosh. saying like better BetterHelp. Like just do your own research and make your own make your own educated opinion. PSA. That's what I always like to say. PSA is formulate your own opinion. Don't take my word for it got you but that's my stance (laughs) take it early
0: nice stance um and also on the anyways
1: to our regularly scheduling program
0: the the difficulty thing also bleeds i just wanted to say that let's talk a second about the adderall shortage
1: (laughs) oh my gosh
0: Um,
1: i feel so fucking bad for people like it's just it just really like irritates the fuck out of me like i know one of my friends had to go to like three or four different pharmacies right and it's like how do you expect people and you guys correct me if i'm wrong but how do you expect
2: makes it a million times harder yeah yep
1: right like you mm-hmm. guys are already struggling
2: here's my experience i didn't have it for five days i got it because uh someone i work with called every fucking pharmacy in town till they found it I didn't even do that. They did that for me.
1: Yeah, because it's hard.
2: There's okay. a
0: national Adderall shortage right now. Already... And people with ADHD are suffering because of it.
1: Yeah, and when you're already struggling with executive dysfunction, picking up the phone and making a phone call, literally, you know, from my understanding, from what people have told me, and from, you know, all the texts are tiktoks that i've watched people Mm -hmm. you know being upset about it is like that's the hardest thing to do i mean i know for me when i'm really struggling mental health wise and like anxiety wise and like i'm in a really bad depressive episode like the hardest thing for me to fucking do is pick up the phone or text someone back or even get out of fucking bed so like i can't even imagine and it just like really breaks my heart and it pisses me off and it makes me so upset
0: dude i remember bill remember when i texted you i was just like i just got adderall from kroger go 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 get it while you can (laughs)
2: like (laughs) And then he was able to get it. And I was so happy. And well, actually, yeah, I got it before that. Okay. On the other side of town. Oh, okay,
0: good. Well, yeah, so that's just, um, that's just another thing that's been difficult for people who are neurodivergent lately. Um, but, I'm uh, moving on to some other talking points. Unsurprisingly, ADHDers have a high tendency develop to develop addictions five to ten five to ten times more likely because
2: we have an itch to juice up our reality and get some stimulation. That's such a freaking widespread. I have no confidence in science. Five to ten times, really?
1: Yeah, I mean, no, no, no.
2: I mean, I'm not saying that that's not correct. But narrow it fucking down. Mm-hmm. That's a huge range. You, you know, know I mean? that's yeah, a really good point. 10, I, yeah. I just, I just wrote down
0: what I researched. But you've got a good point. I, it that I mean, literally big, that is a
1: big it window, Literally
2: yeah. doubles the size of the the, yeah. the sample. Mm-hmm.
0: Five to ten. Definitely. yeah, but
2: I think, too, re- it's, Regardless, it's it's, it's it's big.
1: Yeah, I think too. It's difficult because people use, you know substances and alcohol to self-medicate and a lot of times it's not reported yeah what we don't see is that like these individuals may be struggling with mental health issue and using this thing to self-medicate and not realizing that they're using it to self-medicate oh yeah oh wow i feel really really good um on this thing or this thing and in reality like it's symptom management for them
2: absolutely and that's
1: why we shouldn't stigmatize Addiction. Period. Sorry, just Mic a little, drop. Just an aside.
0: <laughs> Mic drop. Well said.
1: I mean, shit, it was self medication for me.
0: Yeah, yeah me too. It, no, it's, I think, I think it's, 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 it's easy to lean on when you have uh, a mental disability or that is going to like, you know, make you swing so far one way mood wise that you feel like yeah. you have no other option.
1: Cause some people don't like, some people genuinely don't feel like they have another option. They don't realize there's another option yeah. available for them. Like for me, I was really young very stigmatizing households where mental health wasn't existing i was struggling with my trauma so the only thing i could think to do was get drunk because it quieted all of the noise in my brain yeah and it helped me like calm down the symptoms that i was experiencing
2: yeah Yeah. at that age you didn't have any paradigm for what self-medication was you just knew it made you better i just yeah yeah, i
1: just knew it it made me not want to yeah
0: exactly my dad did the same thing he he identifies as an alcoholic and, and he also has ADHD. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a thing. Yeah. Even if that window is huge, it, it the point is, is that, Oh, I think
2: your point's incredibly
0: valid. Yeah. yeah I'm the just point mad is mad is to is that people, that people that did yeah, the no, research. I
1: agree. I agree. Yeah. I think that's too big of a window.
0: I think maybe the book I was reading at the time may have been like, there, there might, there might, this might have developed further. Who knows? Yeah.
1: Do you know what year that book was?
0: Um, that's a good question. I will get into that, uh, after this next point. Because that would be points, really but. interesting
1: to see is what year that was printed.
0: Right. Yeah. I can. If we if we have time at the end, I'll Google it. Okay. Cool. Um, so our plethora of negative memories can cause us to develop what's called rejection sensitivity dysphoria or RSD, where we both where we become afraid. Others will reject us because we're used to disappointing people or used to feeling like we're being, like, okay, like, like I may we're disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. Which and is
1: not just ADHD
0: specific. It's not just ADHD specific, but it's something associated with yes. ADHD.
1: Okay. That you see very often.
0: Yes. We can develop, we can also develop R- RSD's counterpart, rejection sensitive euphoria, um, which is RSE, which is a rush of healing emotions that we get when we feel the opposite of rejection, an intense rush of just euphoric feelings because. Oh, well, I may get that we, too. We, we don't we, it because it hits. We feel the opposite, and it so it hits hard because so we're wait. used to the other side.
1: Like when somebody gives us validation, it's yeah. Like when someone a, gives us validation like or says they
0: believe in us or says something, so you know, why something is that
1: called rejection sensitive euphoria. Wouldn't it? Shouldn't it be called something like it might be validation it, euphoria?
0: It's like. I think it's I know it's rejection is in the name. I might actually have this one wrong. I'll have to double check it, but I know that it's um no like, I
1: mean you're probably it's probably absolutely right. I'm just you know
0: that no that's a good point though but it's,
1: I mean it's the same thing like with ADHD like it's not a deficit of attention either you
0: know it could, no it, I think it could be like it's misdirected It could attention. be like validation sensitive euphoria because like that would make a lot of sense because when you when it hits like that that uh, yeah it would make sense like I, I agree I think that's a <laughs> great name for it. <laughs> Um, But no, I definitely but I just experienced to, like, that
1: clarify what that was, because mm-hmm.
0: I was a little confused. I definitely experienced both. I actually uh, for the longest time felt like I would just my brain would just tell me everyone that all my friends that I've grown up with or just anyone that they don't like me and don't want to spend time around me and they would reject me. And I yeah. fear that. And the more I the more I the more I like discover my own sort of this extremist in my mind that kind of puts these things in my head um mm. like it's i realize i i just i engage with like you know someone who i thought might have rejected me and they're just happy to see me and happy to talk to me and i'm like dude like this is just you know it's something it's it's something i'm that fear is just developed from traumatic experiences on mm-hmm. my past
2: it's not mm-hmm. necessarily the case yeah and now i don't i don't know that my experience of that it has to do with ADHD, but what really helps me is looking at facts.
1: Yeah. And I always say, too, like I tell people this all the time, and I have to tell myself this every single day is, don't assume somebody has your, has a problem with you because it's their responsibility to tell you when they're upset with you, when they have a problem with you. You can't just assume that that person does, yeah. especially individuals who experienced trauma when they were younger, probably hyper vigilant and hyper attuned to others' emotions, which is why it's really important for me to ground myself in the, if they didn't tell me they have an issue, they don't have an issue. I have to just assume they don't have a problem with me and go about my life because I literally... Yeah like beat myself up over assumed yep, stuff exactly like over assumed situations I do that, that aren't even true
2: not true dude yeah that i get it all the time and that's that's why i'll literally say to myself what are the facts
0: mm-hmm.
2: what are the facts yeah what are the facts man this is the great it's a great little it's a great little
0: mantra mm. right there um
1: yeah.
0: uh so yeah we this one is this one is pretty interesting um, we have trouble observing our roles and problems and may end up blaming others for things. I suspect this is because we feel we've, we, uh, we, we feel that we've had enough. It's only mm-hmm. like, we've had enough, we've, we've, we, we've, we've had enough dealing. Like I, I often feel like I've just, I get frustrated with having to deal with, you know, being not neurodivergent. And so I have trouble Sometimes I'll have trouble realizing when that frustration becomes a problem,
2: Mm. if you
0: know what I mean. Um, It's like it's only natural if you're sitting with a library of misery on your head. How like how could you be at fault when with everything you've been through? And then our DMN spits out tons of grievances at once and we can blow up at people, Mm -hmm. which that's one of the biggest reasons why my dad and I couldn't connect when I was growing up, because he would do that. That would happen between us. Constantly because it was because it was coming from both sides because we both have ADHD and we both had no idea. You know, yeah. it's what, like
1: I wanted to ask, um, what is your guys's experience with like overstimulation?
0: Overstimulation. Yeah. Um,
1: like, do you guys experience that? At what does all? that mean,
2: I feel like, numb
1: when you when there's like too much sensory input like, at one
2: time. I don't really I don't I, I don't think I have a problem with that um but i know what you're talking about because i see it a lot um well but let me i'm not sure i understand your question so let me tell you what i'm thinking okay Okay. so uh a lot of times i'll uh watch tv while i'm reading something while i'm playing a game on my phone mm-hmm. and an hour's gone by and i'll watch the same two episodes again because mm-hmm. i did not understand a word the first time
0: mm-hmm.
2: and then i will have to do it again
0: <laughs>
2: yep <laughs> i mean literally i'm doing three or four things at the same time overstimulate yeah
0: Yeah, so overstimulation means it's like it's like you just can't stay on task like it's just like you know what i mean it's like
1: overstimulation is when you are taking in too many sensory inputs at once and it is too overstimulating for your body to handle and you freak the fuck out
2: nope nope don't do that but i've seen it yeah seen it yeah
0: Yeah, I don't think I do. I don't think I freak the fuck out, but I have gotten to the point where I've been scrolling through Instagram or just just like um, doom scrolling or reading Twitter or Reddit or something. And then um, I just I I had no plan for the day to begin with. And then before I know it, it's been hours of me just absorbing things. Yeah. And then it's, I just feel numb mm-hmm. inside. Like there's just like, there's just like, like, like there's okay. just nothing. There's no point. Like I felt, I just, and I, I don't know what to do with myself. So I don't know if that's overstimulation or like oversaturation or like what you would call it. Yeah, but I don't know like
1: do what the term would be for that.
0: But I do, I, I do experience that. And then I was in was like, that,
1: the reason, the reason why I was asking that question is because your interaction with your dad <clears throat> sounded to me like, you were both getting overstimulated with one another, but that mm-hmm. may have been off base.
0: I think that that's the
1: only, that's the only like knowledge that mm-hmm. I have. Right. right. <laughs> it's like my own personal experience yeah.
0: from the most that's that, that would make sense From the most part. I think it was both of us just, both of us would just get frustrated with our own inability to make progress. And so mm-hmm. when the okay. other in his uh, position in particular, he would see, when I would stop making progress and I would, you know, be, I'd go into ADHD, perceive, perceivably a lazy mode in yeah. the sense that like, you know, I wasn't getting anything done, but I was actually just stuck in my head and that, and he would blow up at me for that. And mm. then I would fight back because I, and because neither of us, neither of us knew how to understand that there's a plethora of information And, you know, negative experiences that our brain can slip into at any given moment. And in those positions, we become unable to function normally. And then it's frustrating. It was frustrating for him to see me like that because it would remind him of like how he used to be.
1: Mm, Okay. Okay. Okay.
0: So it was kind of more from that angle. Got
1: it. Okay. I'm picking up what you're putting down now.
0: All right. Bet. So um, we're almost done. Um, Distorted negative self image. Oh. This one is interesting. Uh, we often have the inability to observe, uh, the, okay. So the inability to observe, uh, our, our own issue, our own position in a problem plus recensive plus rejection, sensitivity, dysphoria, plus the onslaught of underachievement. This leads to low self-esteem, which makes it harder to see through our DMN. Um, uh, that then we suffer shame when this causes us to misinterpret our peers responses to us as rejections or even attacks. Mm-hmm. So someone with ADHD, uh, might read into somebody else's words attacks that do not exist because they are expecting them. Or in other words, um, trained to look for them in a way that's toxic to themselves that's an adhd thing it's a thing
2: that is common with adhd okay it can yeah, happen i with... think
1: that probably comes from because i because i feel that way a lot of my life
2: yeah too. yeah and it's, i didn't just never attribute it to adhd yeah.
1: yeah yeah yeah
0: it's just a thing it's just it's it's again this is very likely to happen with
2: people this is with like a co-occurring disorder more or less yeah that's a <laughs> it's a, a occurring it's like symptom yeah but it's, yeah but I, when I think about that, I think about uh, it can be a result of a lot of different experiences. Yeah. Yeah, it's not necessarily just experiences. Um, it sucks
1: experiences.
0: however you get there. But yeah, but it's not necessarily just... It's just, I guess, what I'm, what it's
2: saying here is... Well, you said it right. It's very common. It's very ADHD. common
0: among people with ADHD, and th- like, yeah, and therefore it creates the higher probability of experiencing it. Mm. Um, and... Yeah. So that's, that's an interesting one because I have experienced that from both sides. Um, I've, like I said, I, I would read into people's words and think that they didn't like me and would, you know, that was part of that whole thing that I just expressed expressed. So, and what do you know, like they actually, you know, want to hang out with me and they don't care about those things. Yeah,
1: um, I'm wondering if that comes from your experience as a child. Um, trying to function with an adhd brain in a hyper competitive atmosphere
0: yeah yeah it's it was definitely definitely hyper competitive
1: and i mean even in like you know public schools and even private institutions um having that type of pressure that like just you being yourself is
0: wrong
2: yeah Yeah. you know it
1: sounds like a complaint
2: yes yeah
0: yep that's crazy, yeah.
1: Because, I mean, like, I experienced that as well when I was a kid because I was an energetic child, um, and I would, like, sing, and I would dance, and I would cry, and I was just, like, full of emotion. And, like, I was slowly kind of withered away from that kind of emotion so much so because it made uh, it made the people around me very uncomfortable because they were, you know, emotionally dysregulated and didn't know how to regulate me. Yeah, um, And so, emotion's bad. And so, like, as I grew up, that kind of stayed with me and kind of led into that, Um, led into because the people around me didn't necessarily vocalize that they would be upset with me. They would, you know, be upset around me and expect me to know. Um, Yeah, that's I think that kind of plays into, you know, my personal experience with like thinking people are angry with me even when they're not.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Your experiences with your childhood. Yeah, you were definitely like you were definitely trained to expect that kind of thing. It's the kind I it's so it's not necessarily it really is not necessarily an ADHD thing. I think it's a trauma thing as well. Like
1: Yeah, and I mean there's a certain there and you know there is a certain amount of trauma that you experience being a neurodivergent child in a neurotypical society i mean there's just stuff that comes with that that's why you see a um well what i have seen lately among individuals who experience autism is that they also have a co-occurring complex post-traumatic stress disorder Mm -hmm. diagnosis because of the fact that You know, they are treated so differently at their developmental ages and are kind of like told, you know, you as a person do not fit in this specific environment. Yeah, Um, And I think that goes kind of across the board with individuals who struggle with their mental health, especially in childhood, Mm -hmm. because we are, you know, set to a specific standard in schools and in society and being different than that gets us you know stigmatized and Absolutely. Talked down to Absolutely. and it's really difficult and it's a really hard thing,
0: yeah it's really it's a real hard thing i had i got like Notes from doctors to get like extra time on tests, like yeah. constantly, like growing up because I, I, I really needed it, um, yeah. you and know. Like, and that's okay. Like,
1: and I think that you know, it's it's really difficult for me because I don't think that our system that is current works very well. There
0: you go. Thank you. you yeah. Know? yeah, and yeah. I think
1: that it is it a strict standard. Yeah, it's like trying to set us up to be, you know. Little it, army soldier
2: well, down it, the
1: line, you know, I, little boxes on the hillside, you know, kind of thing. Join a business, I think get good healthcare. I, I, think
2: it's a, you know, I think it's the uh, easiest, most cost-effective way to try to educate yeah. as many people as possible. And yeah. what you don't do is take into account that there are many, many different ways of learning.
1: Right, there, many, there are many,
2: many different ways. So, I think the instant, instances of... Uh, childhood ADHD will yeah. go down dramatically once we learn how to meet people where they are starting in preschool all the way through yeah. high school and yeah. I think we're headed that direction mm-hmm. and I think, I think it's, I th- I'm optimistic about that as well
1: yeah and I wanted to highlight too something that you you just said to like bring a light bulb in my brain is that a lot of times children who struggle at home and who are dealing with childhood trauma are oftentimes misdiagnose ADHD because a lot of times their hyper their hypervigilance can be mistaken for hyperactivity.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh,
1: that's why when we're looking at childhood development and childhood mm-hmm. diagnosis, it's really important that we put trauma into perspective when it comes to that kind of thing. Yep. Um, and a lot of times you can look at does that hyperactivity come with anxiety, which is, you know, the hypervigilance. Mm-hmm. And you know, if it does, a lot of times that means that you something's know, going on. Something's going on. Not yeah. to say that those two things can't be sure. happening at the same time, which yeah. they absolutely can. Yeah. You know, genetics play a big part um, yeah. in ADHD, so it could be. You but know, it's still the
2: the, that child's brain's response is the same as if they were in that situation. Yes. So something needs to be changed.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's you know, I'm hoping that the model of care for mental health. Um, is going more towards paying attention to that kind of thing and that we can get more, you know, um, licensed counselors in schools and, you know, things like that so we can really take care of, be proactive about mental health and really take care of children and meet them Mm -hmm. where they're at and really, you know, help it when it's going on rather than when it's too late. Yes. Except I don't ever, I don't really think that it's ever too late. It's never, yeah. But, you know, there is a point where... Neuroplasticity is a huge, huge piece. Of I mean, trauma.
2: You can't. Yeah. Can, I know you can't give me a scientific answer, but you're, you know, a lot closer to your school years than I am. You know, what if you guys had spent half an hour, two days a week on mindfulness or tools? Yeah. I
1: probably would have used a lot less drugs and alcohol.
0: Yeah, I mean, gets, I, gets, I probably would have been able to make a lot more friends.
1: Yeah, well, because like I know, I know that because of the fact that like as soon as I got out of high school that's what i did like i jumped into researching about what was going on with me um mm-hmm. and then i found a therapist that was trauma-informed because i would always say man i feel like i have ptsd from my childhood here it is it's a whole ass mm-hmm. thing you know and, yeah. <laughs> and so like going God. out and finding that trauma-informed therapist to sit me down and tell me like yo this is actually what you're experiencing was so fundamental in the healing process and getting those coping tactics there In those therapy sessions changed my whole life and helped me, you know, disconnect myself from, you know, all of these substances that I was using to self-medicate. And I think it's interesting if you look at, you know, the overlapping symptomology of both ADHD and CPTSD Mm -hmm. is they look very similar, which was why I was, you know, misdiagnosed two other times before they realized I was this, you know, I was CPTSD because... You know, it hasn't really been around very long anyways.
0: Yeah. Um, neither has ADHD, to be honest. Yeah. You know? um,
1: I think that it really kind of came into fruition around the time I was born, 1995. Mm. is was when people really started started looking at it. And correct me on that because I could be completely wrong, but I think that's my understanding of it. Yeah. Um, so it's still a very early, early thing. And as you said, ADHD is. So I think parsing out all of the differences in, you know the symptomatic nature of how mm-hmm. these these manifests i think are really important and it's not yes. a, it's not an either or right it can yeah. be a both and as yeah. well
0: both and either or
1: and sometimes it can be you know ptsd cptsd can be a result of being a
0: child struggling with their mental health
1: in a society that is discriminatory and
0: mm-hmm. stigmatizing like the yeah. uh, case in point um yeah i uh, remember when i learned i had ptsd and i was just like what, and, what? Then uh, yeah, and then it's yeah and then it suddenly and then suddenly like once it was explained to me i'm just like
1: Yeah, the pieces started falling together. Oh. That was for me. I mean,
0: like, that makes sense. Right.
1: Like, when I was going through my, like, I never really aligned with ADHD originally when I was diagnosed, but like now looking back, I understand why that was the natural diagnosis that I got at the time.
2: You just explained it. Are we segueing into next time's episode about PTSD? Is that what's happening? I mean, yeah, I think that'd be a great one to go into. That would be a great one. Yeah. I think that'd be a great one to go into. Research that. All right. That'll be fun oh that's a
0: great that's a great idea and i don't I have, think
2: that sense has ever been out of research ptsd that'll be fun <laughs> dude you, i had a ton of fun researching adhd i was learning so much
0: it'll be fun to research right. research yeah. is fun having should... it is not but researching yeah.
1: It. yeah no i love researching stuff too and um i think it's important for us to differentiate next episode the difference between ptsd and cptsd
2: that is, you is can do that. important
1: yeah. i can
0: you can yeah you can I nail can that it. yeah I got one I more.
1: Mean, go hmm. ahead, research as much as you want, and I'll flow off all of your research next time.
0: But yeah, I'm, I'll pick up a book. Cool. I got one more point.
1: All right. Pra- it. And
0: it's, and it's, it's going to end us on a little bit of a positive note, so it's good. Practicing self-awareness can help us ADHDers to be more gentle and patient with ourselves and ultimately unlock our full potential. After learning about all this, I've detected when my DMN goes goes dark multiple times when it goes when it when I and I I I've started to after reading this and doing research I've I can I can notice when I start to get into the dark zone on my DMN and I start to dwell and brood and I'm like it's happening you know I can it's notice happening. it and. I was and I'm able to now I'm more able to carefully navigate through the soup of intense feelings that happens and (laughs) figure out why. And uh, then I opened up about this in therapy. Uh, Just um, the whole, uh, you know, I I just I open up about those those dark when when my brain goes dark. I think about why and then I open up about those things in therapy and my God, does it help? Like, (laughs) it's just, you know, like I, that's when I was like, you know, this is what therapy is all about. It's about unpacking that stuff that's uncomfortable and figuring out why. So you can understand. And instead of when that thought comes up and the spider web comes out, you can still be like, no, this is still where I need to go instead of all of these ugly feelings. Yeah. And I think, too, it's like,
1: important, like, you know, with me and dealing with my trauma, it's like I would hyper-intellectualize all of my feelings. You know, I would mm-hmm. think about, oh, why am I feeling this way? Where is it coming from? Like, I can literally, every feeling I have, I can pinpoint it to somewhere in my life or what's making me upset. What I need to start doing and what I've been doing in my life as well um, is... The negative thought that I do have, or that internal negative dialogue that I have about myself or about maybe other people, is you know I almost like gentle parent myself right gentle parent. like oh, I yeah. imagine like like what you said when you were a child it was it was you know hard for you to function, and so when I'm having those times that are hard for me to function i offer myself grace and understanding. And I will literally sometimes even talk to myself like a child and say, it's okay, Amanda, you're just struggling today. Like you're just having a really rough day and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Dude, do what you need to do today. It makes you, if what you so need to good. Right. Like if what you need to do today is just lay in bed and like go to sleep or lay in bed and just do nothing, then that's what you need mm-hmm. to do for a few hours. And that's okay. And normally after I talk to myself like that and I lay in bed for a few hours, normally I'm like, okay, this is boring. Like, let me get up and do something. And then like, I start feeling better because yeah. I'm allowing myself to give myself the thing that I need mm-hmm. because I'm an adult now and I have agency now. And who the fuck is anyone else to tell me what I'm supposed to be doing? I'm you, not in the business of bet. doing anything. I don't want to do anymore.
2: <laughs> exactly. You use a really good word. Grace. Very, very easy for me to give grace to other people.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Very good practice to give grace to yourself.
1: Yeah, and imagining yeah. imagining yourself as a small child, I think, is really important. That helps me. Sure. Because I'm not seeing myself as myself as the like the person that I beat up all because the time. Because that
2: one you want to go, you're a grown up, get the fuck out of bed.
1: Exactly. And then if I imagine myself as a child, I wouldn't tell my I wouldn't talk to a child that way. Right. I wouldn't tell my child you're a piece of shit, get the fuck up out of
2: bed. Gentle parenting. I wouldn't yeah. say that to
1: a kid, right? No. Never. I would I like say it. take your time sweetie get up when you need to.
2: Gentle parent. Yeah. That's so great. I
0: I was practicing a song I want to perform yesterday and I kept I kept I kept messing up the pronunciation of like two specific words and I just I did exactly what you just did, which is like I I calmed down. I was just like it's like all right, just take it slowly. You got this. And I nailed it. It's exactly. just it just it was that easy to yeah. just you you if you're kind to yourself, like it, I just it gave me so much more like not just confidence, but just I don't know what the word is, but I just like I, I was just I was able to execute without like because like I what will happen is if I'm performing something and I, I, I know I messed something up, my brain will start dwelling on that while I'm still trying to perform. And then I keep messing up more. But if I'm easy with myself, if I'm easy on myself and I just, you know, and I work out the kinks instead of just being like, damn it, let me try it again. Like, and just being like, okay, let me work with myself. You can do this. It's okay. It's just, the, 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 level of improvement was just staggering. Yeah. Like, and
1: I think, you know, too, my internal voice is automatically negative and shaming because that's what I was, yeah. you know, that's what I experienced growing up. And a lot of times our internal voices that we hear growing up become our yeah. internal voices that we have as adults. Yes. A, a lot of my parents are in my head and tell me things like when I hit my toe in the corner and I start crying, like my instant reaction is to call myself a dumbass and it's just like that's not nice yeah i wouldn't say that to somebody else so why am i going to talk to myself like that and so like and if i spill something you know you're Mm -hmm. stupid you know like i would talk to myself like that all the time yeah and it's because i was talked to that way and so now i'm like no longer letting that inner voice have that control no longer letting those people have that control over me Mm -hmm. and instead giving the control back to myself and allowing myself to cry it out you know if i spill something and i'm upset about it it, i'm gonna fucking cry about it because i deserve to and i have the right to and feeling your emotions is so 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 vital to move through them and to process and to help them the next time you feel that same emotion it won't be as heavy
0: heavy that's a good word for it. That's what it feels like. It feels like a weight on your shoulders. And yep. if you're able to talk with yourself and work with yourself, it definitely gets lighter. And
1: dude, it's hard. It's so, so hard. Cause it's, you're literally reprogramming. You're literally yeah. reprogramming your internal voice. And it's so hard it's really yeah. really difficult and it's taken me a very very long time i still mm-hmm. you know sometimes regress back to you know my old ways me but too. yeah every day i get closer and closer and closer to hushing that negative
2: voice yeah, yeah i don't like, know like when the when answers happens. tell me though that, that this is either right or wrong i imagine that the key to that is consistency yeah you keep practice. doing it until yeah you have the the mm-hmm. reaction and that you want to have it will get easier and easier as
0: you go but that it's a learning curve yes like it's a, and, it, and it can feel really steep at times like it's a muddy slope but to be honest um it's not impossible because it does oh like it's it helps it it feels it can feel like it is but it's it's just being being nice, but being kind to yourself can just like just knowing Know that just being kind to yourself can make a huge difference. Yeah. And it's hard to do it though. But like I said, learning curve. And I mean, even
1: that thought stopping aspect of it is important. Like, even when you notice, because sometimes it's hard to even notice that we're doing that, right?
0: Oh, no. It's it, I, that's the whole reason why, like, my dad and I used to go at it because we had no idea that that's what was happening to both of us. Yeah. Like,
1: and even like noticing that inner voice or that inner critic and being and saying out loud, stop. Like, that's what I had to start doing exactly the beginning of it is like literally tell myself, stop yeah like you're okay amanda like don't let yourself get down this rabbit hole like this is not you right now this mm-hmm. is somebody else speaking on behalf of you this is not you um
0: yeah you and fall so into the demon like, the dmn yeah fall even into saying the demon. that
1: out loud is really really helpful
0: absolutely all right <clears> any final thoughts TPM guys? reports <laughs> tpm reports. reports do you need
2: tpm report okay hold on i think this is a really
1: great episode
2: dude good job on the research yeah thank you guys i I, I learned i
1: feel like i really did i feel like i learned a lot today about the people around me because a lot of the people around me are adhd
2: yeah us or they're people living with adhd i don't know it's just your verbs your words thank
1: you person first language
2: person First. first
1: appreciate the correction
0: all right guys don't forget you're awesome i'm nathan bill Amanda. We are the In Our Issues crew, and so are you. And we'll see you in the next episode. Peace. Peace. Oh, Oh, and wartime. Uh (laughs) Uh And that concludes the ADHD episode of In Our Issues. Or I should say, the first ADHD episode of In Our Issues. We have every intention of diving back into this topic with guests, and also when we feel like we need to cover new ground with it. There's a link to the book I used for research for this episode in the description, ADHD 2.0. Check it out if you want to dive a little deeper into this topic. Good luck to all my fellow ADHDers out there. We all have the potential to be amazing. Don't let the world shame you into submission. Help everyone understand the way you work. Do more of what keeps your brain engaged. I will too. We got this. Our next episode is another good one. It's all about PTSD and CPTSD. Shout out to the Recovery Center of Hamilton County for sponsoring our equipment. There's a link in the description for recoverycenterhc.org where you can learn more about creative workshops, support groups, and more. Podcast production work by me. Original music composed and produced also by me. I'm Nathan Donnelly, and I'll see you in two weeks. Don't forget you're awesome.
2: Peace.